Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. Here's your Friday fertilizer. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com, Well Start Health and Sick to Fit. I'll never forget my daughter's first birthday party. On a chilly February afternoon in the late 90s, a bunch of friends and relatives gathered at our house to share the joy of the event. We had decorations, presents, singing, and of course, birthday cake. Everything went well until the cake. Uh, being good hippie-ish parents, my wife and I had decided that we were going to raise our kids on healthy food only. We made our own organic baby food. It was pretty damn good, actually. No fast food, no refined sugar. And then our daughter took that first bite of chocolate birthday cake, the one from New Recipes from Moosewood Restaurant, the one with the raspberry jam between each of the three layers of cake, the one with the rich chocolate icing. At first, she was shocked, then wide-eyed with delight, then frenzied with the effort of stuffing as much of it as she possibly could into her mouth as fast as she could. And then, and I'll never forget this moment as long as I live, her eyes swiveled around to look at me and my wife, and she gave us this look brimming with outrage. It said, You've kept this from me for an entire year? How dare you? Love at first sight. For my daughter, chocolate cake was love at first sight, or should I say love at first bite. And to this day, she still enjoys a good slice of cake from time to time. And many of us have experienced love at first sight, or L-A-F-S, laughs in one form or another. Heck, I can tell you all the girls I loved at first sight starting with Diana S. in first grade. The fact that few of them knew I existed did nothing to dim my ardor. There's nothing wrong with love at first sight. According to some psychologists, there are times when we know instantly that we found our soulmate, and it isn't just a matter of biased memory. It's, it's not just a phenomenon limited to mating or masticating or other words starting with M that trigger our pleasure center. I had a laughs experience of Ultimate Frisbee at Camp Rama in 1977. And when I met the doggerel of Ogden Nash in 1981, and I'll never forget my first visit to Yankee Stadium after it reopened in 1976, walking through the walkway and seeing that beautiful expanse of green and all the stadium seating. Ah, so what's the problem with love at first sight? The problem with love at first sight 
Love at first sight is misnamed. It's not really love, not in the deep, abiding sense. Instead, love at first sight experiences are typically centered around attraction and pleasure, rather than qualities like passion, commitment, and intimacy. Think about a person that you love deeply and have for a while. You may not be infatuated with them anymore, but you likely derive far greater personal satisfaction from the seasoning of your relationship. As Brad Stulberg and Steve Magnus write in The Passion Paradox, the whole idea of soulmates originated pretty late in human civilization with the Romantic movement of the 19th century. Before then, most societies saw love as a thing that a couple built through time rather than a prerequisite for getting together. They write, more a process of cultivation than an instant connection. If you think in terms of finding your destined soulmate and recognizing them instantly by the heady rush of love at first sight, researchers have found, you're more likely to end your relationship the minute things start getting rocky. Any problem, whether disagreeing on which way the toilet paper hangs, and there is a correct answer, by the way, although what it is depends on if you have cats or not, or arguing over roles and responsibilities in the relationship becomes proof that this just wasn't meant to be. In the immortal words of Cole Porter, So goodbye, dear and amen. Here's hoping we meet now and then. It was great fun, but it was just one of those things. And if you're in need of a better version, check out Ella Fitzgerald's rendition of just one of those things on YouTube. An only child? This is not a newspaper about relationships, of course. Here we talk about healthy habits and how to adopt them. And the love at first sight problem is directly relevant here. And I'll explain why with this uh, old dirty joke. A sales representative stops at a small manufacturing plant in the Midwest. He presents a box of cigars to the manager as a gift. No, thanks, says the plant manager. I tried smoking a cigar once and I didn't like it. The sales rep shows his display case and then, hoping to clinch a sale, offers to take the manager out for martinis. No, thanks, the plant manager replies. I tried alcohol once, but didn't like it. Then the salesman glances out the office window and sees a golf course. I suppose you play golf, says the salesman. I'd like to invite you to be a guest at my club. No, thanks, the manager says. I played golf once, but I didn't like it. Just then, a young man enters the office. Let me introduce my son, Bill, says the plant manager. Let me guess, the salesman replies. An only child? Get it? The love at first sight mindset means that we are depriving ourselves of lots of good things that fail to deliver instantaneous pleasure. And while, of course, it's no tragedy to be averse to cigars and booze, and I would argue non-frisbee versions of golf, the joke makes its point clear in the punchline. There are things that are worth spending time getting to like. And if you are unclear about this, I recommend the Greg Brown song, If I Had Known, which ends with this assessment of his first sexual experience. And oh, if I had known, I'd do it all over again. Some things just get better and better and better than they've already been. Again, YouTube for the uh, better version of that song. Love at first sight versus slow burn love. 
So love at first sight not only sets us up for failed relationships, it also makes us give up on experiences that aren't instantly transcendent. And for most of us, that includes healthy habits and activities that don't rock our world from minute one. I hear this all the time. I tried kale, but I didn't like it. And this. I started jogging, but I just didn't get into it. And this. I downloaded a meditation app, but I didn't enjoy it. When we give up on things because they don't trigger love at first sight, we are by definition eliminating the possibility of adding the healthiest things to our lives. That's because the healthy stuff in our consumer culture is surrounded by foods and activities designed to be addictive. The food industry makes its money by creating products that achieve the bliss point of sugar, salt, fat, and mouthfeel that make us crave greater and greater quantities. Big tech battles for our attention using AI to create apps and experiences that we can't turn away from. Likes, infinite scrolling, autoplay next episodes, and variable rewards all turn us into payoff hungry gamblers pulling slot machine handles and ignoring the rest of life. And everything else pales in comparison to the always available pleasure hits that our brain interpret as love at first sight. Give a kid a candy bar? and see how excited they get by an apple after that. The real reason it's hard to do healthy things is that they tend to cost us in the moment and provide benefit in the future. Working out, hard and unpleasant now, feel and look and perform better later. Choosing a salad and baked potato over a cheeseburger and fries, unsatisfying now, much more satisfying later. We like what we know. And here's the thing about our preferences. We like what we're familiar with. Study after study has shown that we like flavors that we've eaten a lot in the past. We like people that we hang out with a lot. We like words that we're familiar with. The more we see a face, the more attractive we rate it. We value imaginary stocks higher if their imaginary ticker symbol looks like a real word we've seen before. Which means when we try something new, a vegetable, a sport, a meditation practice, we probably won't love it at first sight, but we can learn to love it if we persevere. In fact, we love things more when we have to grow to love them, when we struggle at first but stay with it. That's when we move past love at first sight into passion, commitment, and intimacy. Lots of people tell me that they're not a runner because they don't enjoy running right now. Sure, it's fine for me because I love running, but they haven't found their exercise thing yet. I hated running when I started. In fact, most of the runners I know hated it at first. We grew to love it because it's an intrinsically good for us activity, and with time we made the connection. Now I get a dopamine rush as I lace my sneakers in anticipation of how good I'll feel when I'm on the move. Lots of people tell me that they hate vegetables. Lucky for me that I'm a kale and Brussels sprouts fan, but that's just not their fate. Again, these are acquired tastes. And you acquire them via a two-pronged strategy. One, stop eating the hyperpalatable crap so your taste buds can adapt back down to normal. And two, keep eating foods you don't like until you like them. The Secret of Slow Burn Love The behavioral science phenomenon known as present bias or future discounting says that we care much more about what's happening right now than what will or may happen in the future which is why it's so hard to do things that don't feel great now in pursuit of future benefits. Luckily, 
there's a secret. We can fall in love with hard right now. We can experience a dopamine rush from the self-esteem we feel when we step up. We can luxuriate in the pride we experience as we take on a difficult challenge for the sake of better. It's simply a matter of choosing that perspective. I was talking with Josh Lajani this morning about how much his abs are hurting after a really tough core workout. He was saying how much he loves the feeling of this pain and how useful it is as he goes about his day. He said, I think about grabbing a cliff bar, but then I feel the ache and remember who I am and what I care about. So I grab a bottle of water and wait to eat until my next real meal. Sore abs don't feel great until they do. They mean pain and limited mobility until they mean you're the sort of person who does hard things in pursuit of better. They suck until they represent your best self. And at that point, the hard things stop being so hard. You start enjoying kale and running and meditating. And so you get to look for the next hard to chase the next better. Hero practice. So the next time you think about something that you should do but don't like doing or something that you should add to your diet, even though you're not a fan, take a higher perspective. Focus less on the future benefit and more on the person you get to be right now in order to manifest that future benefit. Not the person you have to be or the person you should be or the person you need to be, but the person you get to be the person you want to be. Pretty much every Hollywood movie has this moment where the hero gets tested. Actually, two moments. Because the first time, the hero fails the test because they lack some important quality. Courage, often, or maturity, or skill, or drive, or knowledge. And the purpose of the plot from that point on is to put them in situations where they are forced to develop the quality they're lacking. And the climax occurs when the hero is tested a second time for much greater stakes, and this time emerges victorious. You are the hero of your life, and every moment can be that second test. Whether it's just one bite of kale or three minutes of walking, what's important isn't the magnitude, but the direction and intention. The habit can grow with time. The resolve exists in perfection in this moment. Which relationship would you rather be in at the end of the day? Carly Rae Jepsen? Hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but here's my number, so call me maybe. Or Neil Young? Because I'm still in love with you, I want to see you dance again. Because I'm still in love with you on this harvest moon. Be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, 
you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Dawn, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barnes, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filikonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner, Ruthann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z of Evil L, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harpers and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R, Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzawak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Krep, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divid, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leland. Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Cartson, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>